0: and here we go good afternoon everyone hopefully everything is well on this beautiful and warm how should I say Tuesday afternoon and hope you guys are experiencing a safe time out there for those of you on YouTube thank you so much for joining me here on this wonderful Tech Tuesday which is well and close and close to the 200th episode hello Dave good seeing you Alex 240sx greetings hopefully everything is well with you today and for those listening to me on the podcast, thank you so much for joining me, just like Olaf911 did. Hello, Krish, Nax. Porsche time, says Dr. AMG. Yes, there are quite a few <laughs> Porsches around me here, but I have a van peeking back there in a Lotus, which is pretty crazy, eh? Hello, Josh Wonderbird. Good seeing you. Ice Saren. Good afternoon. Germany is in the house, Curtis of Matthias. Good seeing you indeed, Matthias Rangener. P three two eight C I greetings hello I D D Q P, (laughs) Tommy I'm doing well Tommy C X good seeing you indeed, Panama Porsche Club I'll be working with you guys very soon thank you for joining me today, S ready seventeen greetings Drew be live hello, which my favorite Porsche period that I've built would be the E V nine thirty five but in this room. Believe it or not, the center seat is pretty much fun, but that slat-nose is pretty pimp, right? (laughs) Bronx in the house, Cody's of AJ. Hello, Saucy McDank. Interesting screen name. BC says Alastair. Ontario, Canada here, and I'm here in Ontario, California. Ontario Brothers in the house. Hello, Ronan Motors Online. Greetings indeed, and thank you so much, guys, for joining. Visit our awesome California Rocks, says the world. Nice garage of Panama, thank you so much. I have quite a few. I have a 935 here, I have a 912 there. I have two center seat Porsches here. Lurking in the other room, I do have, you guys need to visit Panama. Lurking in the other room, I have another slant nose. I have a Cayman S right there. Special Wishes 911 next to me. The Green Danger Turtle Targa. A very beautiful, in beautiful Ruby Stone Red, of course, 77. I have a yellow 912 from 1976. I have a 68 911E. Of course, we have the beautiful slant nose there. And at the very corner, the oldest Porsche I own, which is a 67,912. I'm um, the shinobi, says Sweezy. Thank you so much. Hello, Ben, Omar, so the thing is, I'm recording via uh, podcasting. I also have two cameras here. So what I could do is, after this session, I will log out and come back in and give you a walk around, you know? The oldest car the pack, Tommy, and I'll try and lift that up, and forgive me for those of you on YouTube, i try and lift that up, but right there in the corner, in the far, far corner, you can see the roof right there. That is a 67912 project car that I have. That's the oldest car. Meaglia is hitting the ground running saying, Iridium spark plugs worth it. Absolutely. So, copper plugs have been around for forever, pretty much. And those copper plugs are very cost effective as well. Copper as an element is quite plentiful now. The one thing about copper electrodes is that it has a challenge in two functions. One, for the copper electrode to do a good job, the base electrode has to be quite large. And having a large electrode, it does a poor job in allowing for good flame propagation to occur. Meaning it shrouds a nice flame from forming when you need combustion to happen. What does that do? It, to some extent, provides an incomplete combustion or not as complete as a fine wire electrode. Secondly, Copper being a soft metal tends to erode quite a bit just because of its nature. So what does that mean? If you do a lot of high performance, you're driving for an extended period of time, that copper will erode. As the copper erodes, it becomes more and more difficult for the spark to jump from the electrode to the ground strap, and then you start getting get misfire, and so on and so forth. So even though it's cost-effective, it does have its limitations. Iridium, on the other hand, is a very hard substance, and it allows for a very fine tip, for the electrode to do its job. So what does that mean? That means that your flame kernel can form very nicely for a more complete combustion, and you don't have to worry about erosion. Give you a perfect example. My drag car, you can't see it, but it's right next to the van back there. My drag car, I used to run coppers because that's all I had access to and it's pretty cost effective and so on and so forth, but I had to switch it every run of the quarter mile. Because if I didn't, I would misfire. When I pull it out because of the compression I was running about 17 to one, and the type of RPM I was running, the electrodes would kind of wear down and, and round out. When I switched over and upgraded to Iridiums, the NGK ones, I used BKR9EIXs in my race car. That thing, I could run not only run after run, but event after event and not have to change my spark plugs. How cool is that? Because of those advantages I mentioned earlier. So I hope that helps, you know? BMalik says I have a 2400 CRV CRV, all-wheel drive five-speed. Nice. I want to tune it, but I don't know what platform to use. There are quite a few that you have access to, and what you just shared right now is a great segue into what I wanted to talk about not too long ago. So when I put up our interaction today, I said I do want to talk about engine management solutions. So this is highly dependent on your area. So most jurisdictions don't allow you to run Aftermarket ECUs that modify small equipment. So, please, by all means, a lot of these ECUs are for off road use only. The AM Infinity, this is my ECU of choice. And that is what I would use in your Honda CRV all wheel drive. As a matter of fact, the same year CRV you have is the same year components I use in my most recent wagon that makes 772 to the wheels. So, that being said, it's a good option. Now, if you have K Tuner or Honda, I want to be able to use that, you can. The beautiful thing about your o4 is that it's a k-series platform so you have the opportunity to have a variety of engine management solutions available to you now the key thing is this this is the brain i mean it guys the brain of your project so what does that mean imagine you working out you work out you go to the gym you're all buff and everything but then the mind that controls everything is rubbish i get it you don't see the ecu it's hidden under the floorboard sometimes in the dash sometimes near the firewall i get it. you don't see it. it's not pretty it's not like a wheel or paint or tires but guys this is extremely important this is what controls all ignition fuel safety and cam control parameters in your engine. so you should not skimp on this this is extremely important and luckily for us we have companies like aem and haltech that make motorsports grade ecu's at sportsman prices so that being said you have many options out there that can allow you to do it please don't no matter what you do be my leg. Don't skimp on your engine management solution. It's extremely important to the success of your project. Yes, there's freeware out there, but you know the challenge with freeware? Freeware, there's no incentive for the manufacturer or the coder to really invest heavily into making it perfect, especially when it comes to fail-safes. Not having fail-safes in an ECU is akin to you trying to do brain surgery with a butter knife. You can do it. (laughs) It won't be very good, and your patient wouldn't be as healthy. <laughs> but it can be done, right? Same thing with ECU, so I hope that gives you some insight. My pleasure, Sweezy. Yes, Iridium's are worth a 90SK. Oh, wow, Norway's in the house. Curtis of good seeing you indeed, sir. Thank you so much. Um, any room for you to my Veloster N? Yes, we can do that. So the one thing about the Veloster N is that it is a very invasive pro- process. It's not through OBD because Hyundai elected Bosch and did a very clever and very complicated protocol of encryption. So literally, you have to take the ECU out, open it up, and then boot it on a bench, grab the data, modify it accordingly, and put it back in. So it's quite involved. Hello, la this Matla. Good seeing you indeed. Drew D. said, thank you for the Pure Information. I have recommended it to a few of our friends and customers. Thank you so much. I love Pure. I have a banner there. I'm a distributor. I'm wearing their shirt. I'm wearing their hat. I love their components. Their products are amazing. It's unlike any compound I've ever seen. So I'm glad you find it appealing, you know? I'll start say, saying, do you have a Lotus back there? Yes, I said. So if you look right behind me, there is the Odyssey Wagon um, Van. So wagon van. And behind that is a 2010 Lotus Elise that's boosted. So some information is here. So um, it has some challenges, but we'll work them out. And I'll be more than happy to share my results when they're done, you know? Thank you so much, Turbo Sicko. I appreciate the kind words. I'm here to help. Um, Top feed or side feed injectors. I am a huge advocate of top feed, only because there are much more in terms of variety out there. I can get different flow rates and ideal. Because what I try and shoot for is to optimize my power for the best spray pattern. And also, for the best amount of efficiency, getting me closer to 80% duty cycle in the peak power I want to make. The challenge of having something that has more than 80% duty cycle is that you run out of injector. The challenge of having something that is much bigger than you need is just because of the sheer nature of flow, you may have challenges getting a good idle. Above and beyond, let's say all things being equal, you have a very fast coil in the injector. Let's say you have very, your dead times are dead on. But if you try and run petrol on a small engine with 2200 cc injectors you can have a challenge with idling because every time the injector opens a lot of fuel comes out and it closes and a lot of fuel comes out especially if you're on a fuel that requires a very low flow rate of fluid for every amount of air ingested. I'm glad in my province in Canada doesn't need emissions testing since my evap system is pushed. Wow Danger Doyle you are living the dream. California is one of the strictest if the you know, most strict area when it comes to emissions and Agents could just come into your facility and look at what you have. You get pulled over. They have rolling roads or dinos, which many of you may know that, on the street. You can be driving and you can get pulled over to get on a rolling road right there and then. And they'll put a sniffer up your pipe. It doesn't sound right, did it? They will literally put a device that measures hydrocarbon content in your tailpipe of your car and can tell right there if you are emissions-friendly or not. And if not, they have the right to impound your car. One of the reasons why I've been going EV recently, it's, it's great, the it, cars are really fast, and it's very guilt-free. And I'm legal everywhere I go, I don't worry about that, you know? Secret Service says, do you, rem- do you recommend Speed Factory parts? Yeah, I like their stuff. So Speed Factory in the uh, Pacific Northwest, I know Matt Herbert, who is the founder and owner there. And uh, they're dealers for us, and we're dealers for them as well. So yes, I do like the components, you know? Um, never thought about that for an Sweezy. I'm here to help, sir, by all means. Ronan makes a good point. Ronan Motorsports, uh, Motors Online says, VE tuning with Infinity is amazing. Pricey unit compared to Hondata, but so robust. So once again, you're saying pricey, but look at this. You're comparing a Yem Infinity, Ronan, to an elegant hack into a factory ECU. If you want to compare those, those systems, you may want to compare, let's say, K-Tuner to Hondata to, let's say, what's another one that's in that space, Doctronic, that's kind of the same level. When you look at this, when you look at a motorsports quality ECU, that's not an elegant hack. This is a new boards, new hardware, new software. Everything is brand new in this ECU. Compared to, let's say, a MoTeC or a Life ECU. Or let's say, what's another um, good one? Um, um, Pectel. These ECU, those ECUs are 7, 8, 9, 10, $12,000. $12, and this has, in many times, faster processors than those and you don't have to pay for upgrades. You don't have to pay for secondary O2 feedback. You don't have to pay for individual knock sensing. You don't have to pay for any of that stuff. It's really, really good. So when it comes to price, this is a bargain. As a matter of fact, I had a Porsche customer when I was at a race, when I told him how much this cost, he's like, I don't put that in my car, it's too cheap. Because he relegated price to quality. But AM has done a good job in allowing us to have motorsports quality at the price of a sportsman. So if you compare that, Especially if you're looking, let's say, put it this way, an AM Infinity for a K-Series. I think we talked about K-Series earlier on. It could be fourteen eighty-five. dollars um, When you look at how much it costs for a K-Pro, plus the socketing properly, plus the base ECU you have to buy, and ho- hopefully you try and buy something that's fairly new or in good condition, or if you bought brand new, it definitely costs more than that. So just think about those things. It's more than just saying what you just said. Um, my analogy is always on point. Thank you, 90s keywords. Once again, um, my goal here is to provide an opportunity where engineering is fun. I have peer engineers who exist, and all they do is try and talk over the audience, yes, talk over the audience to appear to be extremely intelligent. If you're talking amongst your peers, that's fine, but if you're out there putting information out for the masses to consume, why would you use jargon that they wouldn't even understand? My goal is to break it down, and when I need to break things down to the basic level, even if I'm talking about harmonics and Helmholtz, I break it down to like something akin to putting a pebble in a lake, and how the waves propagate on the lake is the same way that sound waves or pulse waves can propagate as well. So I want you to understand, because I feel it's important for us all to respect and admire science, and what better way to do that than to understand it, right? So I hope that helps, you know? Hey, bro, that Lotus you're converted to EV, did it come with a 2ZZ supercharged engine? And can I buy it so you can donate it to me? I'll take care of shipping. You're so kind, Speed up performance. But this Lotus there is not getting converted to EV. It's a great suggestion that was given here on Tech Tuesday, but um, it has some challenges with its uh, exhaust manifold. It's actually turbocharged, and it does have a 2ZZ engine. Um, It does have an uh, aftermarket standalone. And our goal is to optimize that add flex fuel, the manifold design is very, very poor. So what it does, it causes an opportunity where there's a lot of boost creep. So we're gonna repair that by either trying to modify that and if we're not successful, creating a new manifold for the client and then tune it in pickle be well while putting it in closed loop. So I appreciate that, you know? What's a good five speed transmission for a Sail Cam Civic? I have the perfect gearbox for your turbo sickle and it's one that I use exclusively with a lot of success. You know what it is? The gearbox from the first generation Acura Integra. Yes, the D16A1, which existed from 1986 to 1989, is the gearbox that bolts onto your setup. The only thing you have to do is that you have to, you know the bolt that goes all the way from transmission all the way through the engine? It doesn't have that receptacle in that gearbox. So you have to kind of helicoil one of the holes to hold the starter starter. You can use a regular DC starter, bolts on, but you, you don't have a provision that goes all the way through. So you have to kind of helicoil that, and that's it. That gearbox is so robust. I have done, I've run nines on that gearbox with factory gears, with 28 inch slicks. That thing is robust. And why is it so strong? Not only gears are the gears fat and stubby, in between fourth and fifth, there is a handcuff that exists. That allows you to have a fifth gear on the outside of the cup for easy changing, but it allows for strength. So you know how some drag cars would take out fifth gear and put a handcuff on it to prevent the gears from from spreading away and destroying themselves. This has it stock, stock already. It's amazing. Hello, D A Motorsports. Good seeing you, Robert. We were just talking about you yesterday. You know, engineering-wise, have I reverse my daily. Yeah, when I wait when I came to the United States and I was in school as a student, uh, my daily driver was my Honda C R X and I don't endorse this guys, but I was very naughty growing up. So when I was young, I used to do a lot of street racing until I saw someone pass away. I saw someone die street racing and I stopped and only took it to the track and, and it wasn't good. But I did. I raced my daily for a majority of my engineering schooling. So for at least four, four and a half years, I was racing my daily driving car. So yes, you know. Panama City in the house, Curse of J23 Hernandez. Wow, so much great interaction here. Oh, that's why I love you. You speak and reply to your fans. Thank you so much. And Sweezy, you know what? It's my pet peeve. I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Jen, yesterday. Jen Horsley. Very, very talented lady. She works for Red Bull. Very good girl. Um, I was just talking to her her about that. I hate having lives where you ignore your audience. (laughs) Almost like when I'm invited to a live and the host is just talking to me and I see all these great questions and interaction that could happen and it's ignored. It makes me feel like really, really bad. (laughs) So... Um, Thank you. I appreciate that, but it's what I love. You guys are my family. The only qualm I have is I can't get to every question because they come in rapid succession, and that's fine. Michael McChez says, what project should I undertake to start learning EV stuff? Electric bike? That's a good start. But electric bikes can also be as expensive as electric automobiles. So I would say something that's pretty straightforward, something small, lots of fun. That would be good to, to do. So I've seen people do Miatas. I've seen people do full-on vehicles. You want something that can be quite straightforward for you to do. Um, an old Volkswagen would be really cool. Um, bikes are good, but if you're into that, that's a great way to go. But automobile allows you more real estate to play around things and make mistakes. And you have a lot more space to do things and move things around and redo things, which is pretty nice. So I would say an automobile would be a good start if I were in your position, which I was, and I did, you know. Randy Levin says, the best engineers can explain challenging subjects to people in people-friendly terms. Yes, you're right. Thank you so much. But I do know very prominent and responsible and respectable engineers who really derive pleasure in making others feel low, <laughs> lower than them. So, um, I don't like that. Um, I love, I, I'm don't get me wrong, Renny Levin, I am down to talk shop with any of my peers, but I feel that it, it's, it's, it's something that should be done to break engineering down for everyone, because we all can appreciate science, both scientists and non, because even the, the media we're using now to communicate was done by engineers. So imagine if you could understand that better. It makes you feel better about yourself, and you may come up with concepts. I've had concepts, which may have sounded silly to my peer engineers, that came to me from layman from people who had nothing to do with science. My wife gives me a lot of insight that allows me to do wonderful things. It's really cool, you know? Um, let's see here. Is there a way to visit your shop? Yes, Paolo. People used to visit here all the time before this COVID thing, but now I'm really on a skeleton crew here. Um, we're considered essential business for what we do. Um, our hours are cut down quite a bit. So when things go back to relatively normal, yes, absolutely, sir. Hey, bud, what kind of power numbers in your running? Got a buddy looking to break through in the wheelhouse power in his but stuck at 287. He thinks he's actually talking to you right now. Yes, Velocir-N, um We got it north of 300, but it's very, very challenging. Um, the limitations are twofold. Fuel system is one. And secondly, there are a lot, tons of torque limits in that ECU. The one way to push this power plant to the 400s is to address the fuel system, which is quite limited, and either by adding some type of uh, port injection, or by finding, which could be quite expensive, um, a direct injection setup that is a lot more higher flowing, to allow us to reach those numbers. Josh is a proud owner of first gen Integra. Well done. Can a post trim exhaust be fitted on a turbo car? Yes, and I've done it. So you guys have, may have seen my crazy 996 twin turbo with the gold wheels and the gold turbos that has a pulse chamber you can use that and it does a good job in really attenuating on frequencies especially when turbos tend to drone with a high-flowing exhaust. A good gearbox for K24X Philips trailer you're gonna love this the Quaife Sequential that thing is bonkers you can have a bone stock K24 anything from a K24A to a K24Z7, a Z3 k24z you name it it could be bone stock and you bolt on this quake sequential and it just it's like a different car it's just—it's awesome right so i'm smiling because i'm just thinking about driving a quake sequential which is pretty amazing so um here's the thing you can get a quake sequential about eight nine grand Um, It's not as crazy as some other sequentials which can be much more expensive because it utilizes your factory bell housing and Quake supplies a cast end cap and all bespoke gears. And you get to choose from a myriad of gear ratios. So it's pretty good. That is a good gearbox. And it's pretty robust because we put four figures to those things and it's been quite, quite nice. Kevin says, make the inside great again. Amen. Amen. What is the max horsepower for a half mile? There's no max horsepower. Um, We've had people we've seen do half a mile for... with. A stock engine and we've seen what is that got guy, those guys from um, underground racing? I think close to almost 2600 horsepower, so it doesn't matter. There's no limitation for that Thank you turbo sicko. I appreciate that indeed, you know um, Is there a Honda for my 2019 Odyssey? No, there's, there's not. Um, Honda will tend to Doug and his team great guys who tend to focus on platforms that are very popular Because it takes a lot of effort, uh, R&D, to create. Sorry about the noise in the background, It's trash people. They always come on Tuesdays. Um, They tend to invest in projects that can allow them to recoup their investments. Obviously, it is a business. And unfortunately, 2019 Honda Odyssey has not seen its performance platform. So I don't think anyone would be able to do that. Um, You said it's the same as mine, but I have a 2013. So you have a generation newer than I do. Big baller, you. (laughs) If you had to choose a brand of oil to stick for a lifetime, what would it be and why, these guys? So the Pure Oil that's up there is what I choose, um, only because they have experience in aerospace. And you say, okay, so what? Well, what that means is that they have experience with conditions that have a lot more heat and friction than we experience in automobiles. Talking to the scientific team there out, you know, they're in the Pacific Northwest, not Pacific Northwest, they're in the Midwest, talking to them out there in Minnesota, they're telling us that it's crazy what exists commercially in the automotive scene. That the technology that's sold to us at the stores that we go to, the local stores and the Walmarts and the Pep Boys and the Craigans and the and whatever, shucks, that's really old technology. Stuff from the 90s that they see... They've seen advancements in the past decade in oils, and I guess manufacturers won't do it because it's so expensive. And they also take feedback. So if I say, hey, um, we need a good break in oil because the one doesn't exist, they're willing to make it happen. So they really listen to their, their marketplace. They listen to their customers. So if that's the case, I want to choose the oil from a company that's very forward-thinking, that has a lot of experience, and has a compound that's much more superior to everything else out there, doesn't break the bank, and also listen to their clients. And that's what Pure offers. So, Sweezy, I hope that answers your question properly. Dami Mide, thank you so much for joining. Slope Style Design, so much respect for you, BC. You're so humble and blessed. Thank you so much. I am blessed. I'm very fortunate to be here with you guys, my family, to be in a country that gave me so much and to also give back as much as I can as well. So, thank you so much indeed. Editor Guy, hey, BC. Long time no hear. Sorry for not being on. Hopefully, all is well with you. Hope to collaborate with you someday. And Editor Guy, I would enjoy that thoroughly. And things are well and I hope you are staying safe. You know, can I see that ref portion behind you, sir? The front end, I guess you said red. I guess you mean red, but I'll just turn this slightly. Forgive me, those of you on YouTube, but uh, right there, that's it. So, it is a 986 base, is what it started off with, and it has a 997 front end. And those wheels right there cost more than many cars, those are carbon fiber wheels, courtesy of Carbon Revolution, extremely light, ridiculously light. And they, so if you buy a Ford GT, that manufacturer makes the wheels for it. Those guys are pretty nice. And there are some very special model Ferraris that exist with this manufactured wheel as well. It's not a, a carbon inlay or a carbon wrap or aluminum with a carbon on, embedded on top of it. This is purely carbon. I mean, you lift this thing, it could be a 20-inch wheel and it weighs like barely 11 pounds. It's really ridiculous. And extremely strong too. Without any of the flex and fatigue you may see with aluminum wheels. Jerry says, nice to meet you on Saturday and thank you for the patience while tuning in. Thank you so much, Jer. He has a you know, it's very rare you see clean rexes out there. This chap, Jer 619 his CX is so clean with a glass roof, he took good care of that. I'm telling you, in 10 years or so, those cars are going to be the next E30 M3. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing, you know? Andrew said, I forgot to ask, why how, do you ever do diesel builds? If not, why? I don't, Andrew. And the reason why is because a lot of my influence comes from the manufacturers, our customers. So. We work a lot with major OEMs. We do stuff with American Honda, with Ford, with Nissan, with Toyota, um, recently with Lexus as well. So those individuals, hello Igor, CA-tuned. We do a lot with those guys and what they tend to push us towards is what we tend to embrace. So by the time I got to find out that these can be decent performance platforms, the OEMs are already moving away from it, thinking that it's a dirty fuel, and now moving towards the EV space and hence we're following suit. So since we haven't done anything yet, in the diesel world. It's very unlikely that we would unless a manufacturer pushes us that way. Hello neighbor RP5II, good seeing you. Do I want LS motors? I need to rebuild an LQ4. I do tune them. I do not build them. I supply components, but I do not build them myself directly. You inspired me to do something electric, says Works. you should do it. I was anti. Kevin knows this, he's here. I was really anti. EV, Honda forced my hand <laughs> to do a CRV and maintaining the electric motor that was an integrated motor assist. I was against it, but I did it. I'm glad I did. Um, they pushed us to drive the new NSX, which has three electric motors in addition to a petrol twin-turbo V6 engine, and I reluctantly did that, but enjoyed it immensely. And knowing where the OEMs are going, I built as a proof of concept the 935, and I'm hooked. Telling you, SJ. It has changed my life it's as someone who loves speed and also i love speed without the guilt it's like the perfect combination for me and since we're still in the infancy of everything electric especially in terms of batteries and controllers and inverters the future is so bright it's really exciting so i cannot wait to explore what the horizon has for us you know k-series is a question says bloom colorado does it work with k20 yes any quake. as a matter of fact even if you have a new type r k20c Quave has an application for it. So yes, you can have a bone stock fully built. You can have a stock 180 horsepower K-series or a fully built 1000 plus horsepower K-series and Quave has a solution for you. If you have a hard time reaching them, DM me here, I'll get it for you. No problem, you know. AJ, we're talking about the UK a lot. Good seeing you all the way from across the pond. Hello, Pierre, can't wait to see you as well. Um, Is your D-Series VTEC cam the best out there? Yes it is, EG Dad. And if you can do a search, look up um, the camshaft shootout. It's still online, that's Super Street did years ago. And it was an independent test. We just talked about about Speed Factory. They did it and they took everything out there. And it's because of our experience with the D-Series and how aggressively I pushed that platform is the reason why our cam profiles are the best. Um, As a matter of fact, they compared it to the best, best turbo cam out there. And the B-Simono one did like 80 horsepower more. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I know when I, when I shared that documentation earlier in the design phase on some of the forums that I was able to get 50 horsepower over the best thing out there, people were flaming me and talking crap. And then a third party did it and saw an 80 horsepower gain. <laughs> so it's so funny. I, I wish people would just have an open mind and learn opposed to attacking when they don't understand. It's just, yeah. Anyway, I love the Honda scene, but they can be quite cruel sometimes, you know? Um, Sweezy, you should. It's a very good brand indeed, you know? Can you make a 5,000 horsepower track car? Yes, I could. Absolutely. Um, I like how you oversee things that no people don't think about. Thank you, Sweezy. I'm just kind of weird. Always have been. Um, Did a lot of things young. That's why I was in university at 15 and did kind of weird stuff. And always experimenting and blowing things up. When we used to race, I used to have this small team. That we call team matrix and i don't know if john is here he's part of the team and that team we used to go and race a lot and it was we loved it it was greater la area they did a lot of street racing and track racing at terminal island and lacr and then the movie came out and the movie matrix came out and a bunch of teams became matrix and we changed the name anyway i digress long story short um our team has to go out to the track will try something or keep racing i blow up I start laughing. My teammates blow up and some of them like get discouraged. Some of them just sell their car. I'll blow something up and laugh. I'm like, oh my God, because I'm going to learn something new and try something else, so. And I was a starving student too. It was really tough, but I was eager to work hard and get the components and make things happen. So it worked out very nicely. Hello Fox Design, Paul, good seeing you. Do you have any, any do you fave any experience in overhead engines apart from the Viper? If you would give an LS engine the BC reliable power treatment, yes, AJ, do you fave, I don't know if you mean give, have, oh, have any experience? Um, No, apart from the Viper, no, I don't have any overhead with push rod experience apart from that. Um, At this point, because of how crazy busy we are, um, it'll have to be a pretty involved client on OEM for us to explore that, AJ, at this time. Yeah, I did answer that question. Um, would a K-series fit a first-gen Integra? Um, that would be tight, but it can. Now, bear in mind that the first-gen Integra is akin to a D-series, and we've put K-series engines in EFs. So the answer is yes, it can be done. If you remember, the, the mount on the driver's side is almost the same. The passenger side mount and the front and rear mounts are quite different, but yes, it can. The compartment allows for that, and it'll be a pretty cool, Project because a lot of people don't do that. I really like the first-gen integral, the puppet headlights and the fenders that are composite. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But you should do it, you should do it. Garcia is saying, hello BC, does an engine compression reading vary from sea level compared to 5,000? Yes, it does. The static will remain the same, but the dynamic is different. Primarily because, think about what compression is doing, what should, what's happening in internal combustion engine. You're ingesting air, all four valves close, I'm making this very, very simplified, and you compress that air fuel mixture and you ignite it. Now at elevation, you can imagine, dynamically less oxygen is involved for that compression, hence it's not as dense. So one thing I tend to do, and this is a very nice secret, is when I have races where I have to go in elevation, I tend to run much higher static compression to help my dynamic a little bit better. And I do very clever things with my exhaust systems to allow me to evacuate any rubbish that can exist during overlap. Turbo Cico, have a wonderful day as well. And mile Latson is correct. Aerospace and vehicles do go hand in hand. A lot of that technology transfers over. A lot of the things we use with, with heat uh, retention and heat shedding and heat rejection and oil shedding technologies came from the aerospace, you know? Hey BC, which is the Porsche with the 50th anniversary badge on the door? So that is right there. I don't know if you, let me try and, forgive me, let me try and lift this up again. So that right there, uh, you see it right there? That is the center seat that was done for the 50th anniversary of Hot Wheels in collaboration with uh, Momo. So that was that car. And then Mattel loved it so much, they had us build them a gold one, which is in the rear there as well. But it's not a 50th anniversary. That's a standard just Hot Wheels center seat, you know? Yo, Senna Payne, good seeing you. Um, my pleasure indeed, Andrew. Good seeing you. 91, are you familiar with F1 exhausts? Are they just dual cats? Are they something more specialized? Um, yes, I am familiar with that. As a matter of fact, um, for those of you who remember in my header days, when I used to do quite a bit before I got knocked off like crazy, um, I used to use a lot of uh, Formula 1 technology into them. Um, being able to utilize um, pressure differentials to help evacuate. Being able to use collectors that are inspired by F1. Um, and I hope you're talking about Formula 1 and not a brand F1. And yes, we've done quite a bit of that. And I tend to think differently. You know how most people design exhaust manifold and headers? where the entire, all four pipes and an inline four go underneath the car, but you have cars coming to dyno with a crush from just being slammed or having some off-road excursions on the track. Well, I use an F1-inspired setup where I use stepped um, primaries, and I put the collector in front of the engine, so the only thing that goes underneath the power plant is a single pipe. And then, as a tuner, which I don't know why manufacturers don't do this, maybe because they're not tuners themselves, um, one of the worst things that I, that I just hate doing when I'm putting a car in a dyno is to jack it up and go under the car and put an O2 sensor in. Well, with the collector being in front of the motor, you can actually have access to a nice O2 bung. So you can just plug in the front without much qualm and have a good time. So that's pretty nice. So just thinking out of the box when it comes to something as simple as exhaust designs, you know? Bring a Type R Monday. What BOV do you recommend to buy? You know what? Um, I don't know if they have it for the Type R, but I love TurboSmart stuff. Give them a call and see if they have it. And if they do, we can get it for you. When do we get an RX-7 build? I, I swear to you, I hate Mondays 88 as soon as I sign that agreement with Mazda. We're almost there. I'm I going to give Justin a call. I haven't spoken to him in quite a while. But as soon as we get that, I promise you we will have it. We will have an RX-7 build with all the beast and motor madness on it, you know? <laughs> Looking to buy a 1.5T Accord, says RP5, good engine by the way, but I worry for a little motor with a turbo or go 2.0T. Please help, I'm listening. RP, you will not regret the 1.5T. The L15 is a really nice power plant. Now, if you can do the 2.0, by all means, it's a lot more grunt. It's it's pretty much a Type R engine with slight differences in the gearbox and camshafts and fuel pump. Um, But it's pretty much a Type R engine. So if your budget allows you to do that and you're really performance-based, 2.0T by all means. But don't sleep on the 1.5T. It has some potential and gives you better gas mileage. So if you want to eat your cake and have it too, the 1.5T is the way to go. But if you just want to have all-out power, 2.0T. Totally up to your desires, you know? Andrew is saying, speaking of EV, have you done anything with electric turbos? Audi has embraced that. So here's the thing. I talked about this last week a little bit. Now, there's three bits of confusion here. One, the... Porsche Taycan Turbo S is a moniker where Porsche is using very clever language to kind of piggyback off the turbo name, so there's physically no turbo in that. Secondly, electric vehicles as the name implies are purely electric and does not use air as a means of propulsion. And third, electric turbos exist. Some of them call them electric superchargers. These are where you have a compressor wheel with an electric motor behind it spinning it to push air into an internal combustion engine because of course the key to making power in an internal ICE or internal combustion engine is to get as much air in there as possible with the appropriate amount of fuel to it. So that being said, I cannot use an electric turbo on an electric vehicle even though they both use electricity as a means to turn something on or to propel. Um, What I've seen manufacturers explore is to use instead of elements of combustion like you would a turbocharger or a direct cog to the motor, like you may see with a supercharger. I've seen, even aftermarket, there's a company that partners with my friends from Dynapack. They have this electric device that turns a wheel that looks like a turbocharger and can push air into an engine. And you can do it at, at leisure. You can press a button and have it active. You can have it active all the time. You can have a pro call or pulse width. It's pretty cool. Um, so I hope that helps you, Andrew Sybil Fotel. Um, now, as I, I told you, 5,000 horsepower track car is possible. So if you look at what the top fuel dragsters do, top fuel, they do eclipse those power ratings. So it is possible. Yeah. When did you give up street racing as AJ Thompson? Wow, years ago. I am, um, believe it or not. So I used to live in Gardena. I used to race in Compton, in Sylmar, in Ontario, small parts of Wilmington as well. And I came out to Ontario to race. And I didn't line up with anyone yet. I was just peeping out the scene, seeing what was going on. I had my CRX, and then I saw a Mustang at an intersection racing an Integra. So the Mustang and the Integra lined up, and they went at it. And then as we were getting close to the T-intersection, which had an embankment going down at the end, the Integra stopped because the race was over, but the Mustang guy didn't. And kept going, and I said to my partner then, Hey Xavier, is this guy going to stop? And you know what? He didn't. The car hit the curb, flew off, went over the embankment. You know, normal street race fashion, everyone ran over there to take a look. Um, I kind of stayed back, and a guy went down the embankment and he started yelling, he's dead, and everyone booked out. And that was the last time I ever went to a street. That was it. Um, it was track only for me then, because the track has much more safety. If this was a drag strip that he was racing at, and lost control, and didn't have brakes, he would have went into the sandbank. And not over an embankment to a, down a cliff, you know. So um, that was eye-opening. That really changed my mind significantly, and I never street-raced again. That was enough for me to be done, you know. K twenty-four A two is the best K twenty-four stock. Says Jim Genghis can. So it depends. If in natural aspiration, yes, I completely agree. But if you want to boost, um, you cannot do badly at all with the K24, Z3, or Z7 because not only does the intake flow more than the A2, it lends itself for a very fast spool because it has this pseudo short runner setup that looks like a very elegant log manifold. You just bolt a turbo there. I mean, I spool T4 72 millimeters to full boost close to 3,800 RPMs based upon that design. So it lends itself very well to turbocharging, But a natural aspiration? Yes, by all means. The A2. That's the way to go. Which car do you love the most that you had built and why? Well, Sweezy, um, I would say, initially it was this center seat right here because it was just the most balanced, the most amazing vehicle I ever had the opportunity to explore. It was something that came up as a concept and it was just so enjoyable. You get into it, you forget yourself, you feel like every car should be this forgiving and balanced. But then something happened um, fairly recently. As of last year, I had the opportunity to build my first electric vehicle. And I'm someone who hated electric cars. I really would not do it, drive it, had no interest in them. Until I saw that my partners in OEMs are going that way, and I built my first one, and I'm screwed. It is the most amazing experience. It's so fast. Have you ever, you know how people go out and they get attention from making noise, like shooting flames and cars loud and blah? Imagine the opposite. You get attention for being too quiet. This thing looks ridiculously. This 935 looks crazy, but as I drive on the streets of LA, people stick their heads out the window like, I can't hear, what the hell, what is this? And then I can just take off and it's just, it's, oh my God. So that has been the most, the car that I've loved and experienced to build and I'm still learning from it. Today I'm gonna to do some more data logging. I did some updates to my um, AM dash and I'm gonna get some more data on my BMS because I want to see if I can push my current limits a little further. So it should be exciting, you know? I would love to see a BZF20C swap in NSX. Oh, Honda would kill me. <laughs> It sounds like a really good plan. Good to see you as well, AMG. But Honda, American Honda would kill me if I did that, you know? Oh my God. Miles says, uh, RX 8, you do quirky cars, Ben, the most. I do, I do. And you know what? To be honest with you, Mazda may even push me to do an RX 8 opposed to a 7. Um, they kind of really lo- have a soft spot for those cars over there at, you know, <laughs> at, at Mazda, at Mazda USA. Thank you, RP5, my, my, my pleasure indeed, you know? He's going to build an F1, yes, I used to do build those, but man, I got knocked off, and they did poor knockoffs. I had a guy who called me, who wrote to me like last week and said, hey, BC, I have this BC header, but it's hitting my dipstick, and I'm like, what the hell, I'm freaking out, right? Like, how is this hitting my dipstick, your dipstick? What is the part number and serial number underneath the flange, because we always, you know, stamp them on it. And he came back, oh, he doesn't have one. I'm sorry, BC. It was a replica. I'm so sorry to disturb you. I'm so sorry. So companies knock me off. They don't even do a good job at knocking me off. And customers end up being quite sad about that. Anyway, beautiful, atmosphere or recirculate? Sweetly, so it depends. So here's my thing. Of course, I love the sound of of atmospheric. But, and I use it every time I can. There's only one chance, sweetie, that I don't vent my blow-up valve to atmosphere and I recirculate. Is when I have a fully enclosed MAF system. And what I mean by that, manifold air, um, with the MAF reference, we have an opportunity where the air is metered before it goes into a turbo or an engine. So if you blow off after the metered air from the mass airflow meter, you have an opportunity where you have air leaving your system that is accounted for, hence causing a rich mixture. So what does that do? It puts you in a position where your car can hesitate or not run as well or shoot black smoke. It's not ideal. So in that case, if I have a MAF sensor that exists before everything in the engine, and we see this in a lot of some of the newer Hyundais, we see this in a lot of the, like the Type R and some of the other cars that have a MAF before everything else, um, I would recirculate it. And, just, and, some, and some of the older Porsches too. Um, especially 996, 997, the newer turbos, they tend to recirculate. And it's very good because the mass airflow doesn't feel very well. It does a good job. But by all means, it's not a good way of, of having a good performance if you vent it. Now, if you look at the new Veloster N, that's a little different from Hyundai. What they've done is they have now placed a MAP sensor in between the cold side of the turbo and the throttle body. So now, if you are blowing off before the MAF, it's no problem. So you can... Even though they recirculate from factory, you can vent to atmosphere without any qualm. It goes, through, sounds really cool. So I prefer because I like the sound, but if I have a math system that's recirculated, where well, that's ideal, I do that. And if I convert the car to speed density and get rid of the math, then I vent as well. I love how, I love how. you see some of my videos on YouTube, so if you go to B.S.M.O.R. YouTube's place or feed, you'll see a lot of my cars going, you're like, what is that, you know? It's pretty cool. Thank you so much, Sweezy. I appreciate the kind words indeed. You guys are so wonderful, you know? I really didn't know the technical for recirculating due to a math sensor. Yes, it is. My pleasure indeed, my pleasure indeed, you know? Would you build an EV DeLorean? Kind of like the futuristic build. Yes, I would. I, It's one of the builds that I actually would enjoy doing. Um, I don't have a DeLorean. I don't have a client who's asked for one, but if a client comes in, I would be more than happy to do that for them, you know? MoFo Mondo says I'm awesome. Thank you so much, I appreciate that. And with that, I have to bid you guys good afternoon, but thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful Tech Tuesday. Once again, we talked a lot about oils, we talked about engine management solutions, we've talked about street racing, we've talked about life, and I appreciate your audience, and I'm here for you guys, just like some people were there for me. Once again, you never know, I am trying to be there and be that person I needed when I was younger. Please do the same thing for, for someone. You never know how you can impact that person's life positively. So, by all means, take care. Sweezy, walk around will come, no problem. In the meantime, have a good afternoon. Stay safe. Cheers.